Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. God, we thank you. You are so good. We just set our hearts on you t- tonight. We just, just put you first, God. We thank you that nothing, nothing is impossible with you. And God, we just set our hearts on you tonight. God, we just love you. We love you. We love you. We've come tonight to receive from you, God. We've come to receive from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know what the Bible says in Revelations? I was just reading this. We're going to just continue to just do a bit more worship, but we're going to do it with this instrument. You know that your voice is an instrument. Some don't like their instrument. They don't think it sounds so great, but you know, God says make a joyful noise. So for those of you who can't hold a note, he loves your noise because it comes from your heart. That's the important thing. But it says here in Revelation 7, this is our future. This is talking about those that made it through the tribulation. And, um, and it was a great crowd here, it says. I saw a vast crowd, Revelation 7. They won't have it on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. Verse 9, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. How many have seen a multitude? Like, I've been through crusades. My largest one I was on was 120,000. And it looked like an ocean of people. But... Reinhard Bonnke had a crowd of over, I think it was two million. And the pictures are just, it's like an ocean. And this is a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. Isn't that awesome? God is so inclusive. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed with white robes and had palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar. This was coming out from the crowd. Sometimes we're so dependent on what's going on up here. And we just ride off of that. God wants it to come from from all of us, right? It says this is what they roared. They said salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elder and and around the elders and the four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and they worshiped God and they sang amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever amen amen so God we just thank you that we are we we can join in with heaven, God, and just bask in your goodness, bask in all that you are. And let's just do just a simple, God, you're, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good, you're so good to me. 
set our hearts on you tonight as we open up your word to receive from you we just ask that you would speak to us holy spirit that you would lead us into all truth holy spirit that you would put inside of us those things that are needed for the days that are ahead holy spirit that you would teach us those things that are needed where we lack wisdom we ask for that whatever we need we thank you holy spirit it's found in you and so we just open our hearts to you. I just want to read this portion of scripture before we get started in, in Psalms 103. I love this psalm. It's an awesome psalm. I'm going to read just part of it. Verse, starting at verse 8. I've got this one up there. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey commandments. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. So today I'm going to cover um, uh, weakness part two, because I didn't get to cover it all. And Aaron uh, preached there last week, so I had a bit of a, uh, a gap there. So we're just going to cover the next part of it. But I, it, does anyone have a, a, a praise report? Sometimes, you know, we just like to, to do... Um, I have one. Um, my my one of my granddaughters asked Jesus into her heart on uh, yesterday. We had them over and we were doing Bible time. Yes, because it's you know it's a it's a real thing when they you know they're beginning to ask questions about God. But he, she was really sincere about we were looking at Satan and how he fell from heaven and it was a. Um, Kids, children, Superbook, if anyone knows of that. They've got great uh, Bible stories. And so she just was really 
wanting to know, like, how do I not go to hell? <laughs> That's a good thing. But, you know, she was able to see that Jesus saved her from that and uh, asked him to forgive her of her sins. And so that's the beginning of a journey for her. And, um, but is there anyone else in praise reports? You know, we don't give thanks enough, and a lot of times we're like, um, we just kind of brush this, brush this, but like God does so many things. And um, we, we need to be sharing that. You know, the Bible says, one, come with a psalm, come with a hymn, come, we're supposed to come with, things in our heart that we're excited about instead of just okay what's the pastor gonna say what was the worship like hmm. you know and we're we're gauging everything instead of coming excited we were at a worship uh conference no, not conference concert last night with uh pat uh barrett and uh oh it was just great but you know it was such a great time because everyone that was there wanted to be there right we had taken the time we had set it aside but we were and i think that's what made the worship time because it wasn't a concert it was literally he was so much about not doing that but just entering into god's presence and bringing god's people into his presence but to hear people sing again to hear the congregation because we got masked up and then everyone just kind of you know you, you get into this low and it's like no we got to have that shouting and let that out yeah. God wants to hear your sound your voice Amen. I love it I want mute kids <laughs> you know mime everything no you you, you want to hear the sound right heavens they're shouting there's loud singing there's a multitude they're all engaged and that's what we gotta you know so let's let's be you know letting those things out okay i guess no one has a praise report so you know what all right come on up here because the people online oh wait i don't have a mic Ben, sorry, I didn't prepare you for this. Carrie will be your runner. Thank you, thank you. All right, just talk um, to the people online as well. Hello. <laughs> um, I bought a gift card for somebody and I put it in a happy anniversary card. And I just wanted to bless these people. I put it in a happy anniversary card. It was a family member. And then later on that same week, I took uh, senior shopping, and she gave me exactly the same amount of money that I had paid for the gift card as a thank you. So it's a small thing, but, you know, when you, when you just give something away, lots of times God gives it right back to you real quick and say, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. That's you know, right. Puts it right back in your pocket. Okay, so just being here tonight is for me a big thing. I've been quite sick. I don't know if some of you might know. And it was really a struggle. I won't go into all the details just to keep it short. 
But I remember one night I lay on my back and I was at my lowest, lowest point. And I said, Lord, what am I doing down here? You're not getting any praise. I can't even get up and praise you. I don't have the strength. And I felt so bad and I thought I was really dying. Each night I go to bed, I would pray my final prayer. I say, Lord, I might not rise with tomorrow, but I'm going out tonight praising you. And that night when I felt so, so low, and I said, what am I doing here? I felt a warmth enter my body. And all of a sudden I felt like I want to jump up and shout. I want to say, thank you, Lord. I want to say I'm healed. I felt hopeful when I didn't have the strength. And I said, something happened. Because just one minute I was at my worst. This minute I feel like everything's okay. And I grabbed my phone and I text Pastor Sheila. I said, something shifted. I have no proof. And the Bible said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, when the evidence is not seen. Amen. And when I text Pastor Sheila, I told her that I know something shifted, but I have no proof because I'm just feeling so sick. She said to me, the battle is won in the air. Amen. And she said, in time, you're going to be walking in it. Just keep holding on. And when I woke up the morning, the first song that came to me was, I'm free. I'm free. I'm set free. But the weeks and months that followed, I felt like I should have shut my mouth. Because it was worse. And I said, what happened? But I knew what I felt that night. And I hung on to it. I said, Lord, I know something shifted. I have no evidence, but I'm walking in hope. And just like that, after weeks of struggling, after I said something changed, all of a sudden one morning I woke up and I went, something really did change. It did change. And just to be here tonight, God is good. God is good. And I just want to thank him. When I say God is good, I know what I'm talking about. Because I've been there. I've been in the lowest, lowest point, And God came through for me. He doesn't respect me more than you. He do just the same. Amen. Just don't let go hope. Hang on to it. Even when you don't see what you're hoping for. God bless Amen. you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Man, God is so good, isn't he? And he's always doing things when we are just making room for him. And that's what this is about. It's, you know, it's not about coming to a Sunday service. It's about doing life together. Sunday's a part of it. You know, small groups, all the different dynamics, prayer night, all these things and when we get together and we're, he's in the center, there's just so many things that happen. And it's making room for him. And, you know, looking at weakness, I love what Rosetta shared because it goes right along with, you know, weakness. We're so afraid of it. And, and not that we look for it, right? No, we don't look for it. We cringe when we hear the word. And we don't like it when we're at the end of the weakness part. We don't mind when we're helping someone who is weak, but it's when it's us, and it's like, oh. And, but weakness is not something that God is afraid of. In fact, it's an opportunity for God. 
never ever is something that he looks down on and you know he delights in it. i want to just uh, springboard from the scripture i used um the last time i preached and then we're going to go into another aspect of this but in first corinthians 1 26 to 29 he says remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when god called you instead god chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful so he he takes things that are discarded set aside he takes things that are vulnerable and weak he looks at those things and he says i can make something of this he sees its value that's the greatest thing i think jesus did whenever he encountered people when the, the woman that got caught in the act of adultery you know what made her walk away from that and go and sin no more because she saw finally her value jesus looked at her with with her true value not to get something from her that that she had had over her for her whole life but he saw something in her and he turned that weakness into a strength amen and this is what is our greatest opportunity now there's so many things that are coming up and we see all these weak things and we see uh, so many things at a vulnerable point but the bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that which cannot be shaken will remain amen so that's a good thing but what we need to ask ourselves is what am i building my life on because I want to be one of those in, and it says here and he, it, it, it says here God chose things despised by the world things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring nothing uh, and to bring to nothing what the world considers important and as a result no one can ever boast in the presence of God and this is a, the thing and I, I love this again with what Rosetta shared you know sure medical was trying to do their things that they can do but it was god who gave her that breakthrough it was you know ultimately it was him that that, that breakthrough came sometimes we're, we're glorifying medicine and and those things are great and they work and and they work to a degree but how many know god goes far beyond those things he can use those things but I, I want to look at him even behind those things and know that everything came from him and that he can use those things, but let's not limit and settle there. We settle. We're like, oh, I just want to settle here. And it's like, no. But he takes, he takes areas of weakness. And, um, and we're going to look at Paul here because Paul is a great example of someone who walked in tremendous strength we hear of of the amazing things that paul did the miracles that he did in the book of acts but he walked in tremendous challenges as well and he walked through each one of them and and it's important for us to see these things because sometimes we you know we we live in a pretty comfortable culture right it's it's pretty comfortable if our cable doesn't work you know where our internet goes down it's pretty stressful right and it, but that's about it you know it doesn't get really bad 
There, there is not a, a, a huge amount. Of, when we look at Paul's life here, and when we're looking at believers all around the world, because we, we live in this Western culture that is so blessed, we forget when we look at the majority of people around the world, when you go to Africa, when you go, I've been to Africa, I've been to India, I've been to Albania, I've been to Croatia, I've been to several different countries, and we've got it so good. And you're going into some of these places and you're like, but there's something that I saw in the Christians there that they had that we don't have. And I saw it in their weakness. And sometimes there's things that God wants to get to us and it's, he's going to bring it in the weakness. He's not going to bring it in our strength. You know, when he called every one of us, not many of us, everything, we had it all together. When he called us, we were disqualified. We were not equipped. We were not ready. He just called us. I, my mom used to always say, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And he, he does. He, it's the call first. Then he equips you. He turns weakness into strength. And so, and that's how our whole life goes. Not just for us personally, but every situation that we encounter, he's turning it from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith, is what the Bible says. And Paul understood this, and um, in, he's given an account to the Corinthian church. But first of all, I want us to just, I was thinking about different ones in the Bible. Um, you know, if you go through the whole Bible, and you go through every single person, they were all in a place where they were started out weak. Abraham, God calls him, and he's barren. God's going to create a nation out of an old man whose wife is barren. For not just one year, two years, three years, over 20 years, she's barren. And she was old, and she got really old. We're talking super duper old. And God's like, this is the one I've called. You couldn't get anyone more weak than Abraham and Sarah in terms of outwardly. And it got so bad. Abraham was like, you know, worrying in his tent. And there's, you know, you can read it. I'm not going to go there and just paraphrasing, but... He was worrying in his tent, and God said, no, step outside this tent and look up. He's like, get out of this, and we can get into this, and it's, it's this where we're just thinking about everything, and it's this realm of reason, and, and you know what we live in? It's, it's soulish, and it's, I think, I feel, I want. I think, I feel, I want. It's our mind, and our will, and our emotions, and it just kind of just just kind of and we just stew over things and we live in this little tiny tent and we worry about little tiny things and of course this wasn't a tiny thing he didn't have a, a an heir and god's like i'm making you a father of many nations he even makes sarah like call him that and in that culture your name meant who you were so you know he gets his name changed to father of many nations that's what abraham means so every time she's calling him for dinner, father of many nations, you know, the neighbors are like, 
They've lost it. They're old and wrinkly. And look, they're going to be the father and mother of many nations. Like, come on. You don't think they were the laughing stock? And Abraham was having a moment, and he was worried. And God said, no, get out of the tent and look up. Look at the stars. Count them. He gave him another picture. He gave him his perspective. He said, this is what I see. Start counting them. Your descendants are going to outnumber that. And he had to give him a picture that was outside of where he was at. And we, God, only God can do that. Only God can take something that's weak and turn it into strength. Only God. And every one of us have things that we're walking through that we encounter where God, like Abraham, where we're, we're stuck in that spot, and I believe that God is, is breaking us through those things. He's bringing his church into more, and this is how he's going to do it. The, the, what we want from God is not going to be conquered in the realm of reason. It's going to be conquered in the realm of faith. And in that realm of faith, weakness is not a problem. In fact, we're going to look at Paul's life because Paul, he saw his strength as a, a detriment. And all the things that he was strong in, God basically said, no, you know, God calls a guy, he's a He's a Jew, among, a, a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. We're going to look at this, but totally qualified, scholar, super smart. And he says, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles, the dumb ones who don't know anything. You know, he didn't send them to the Jews. And this you know, great guy he was the trophy boy. And it was like, come on, let's, let's bring him and let's let him be the one that brings salvation to the Jews. No. He says, you're going to go to the Gentiles. And I'm going to show you a secret of how I'm doing this, and it's by faith. Because, see, the other apostles saw what Jesus did on the cross. In the, it, like, what happened in the natural. But Paul saw what happened in the spiritual. God opened the window and gave him the revelation that when Christ died, you died with him. When he rose, you rose with him. That he went up literally to the throne and brought his blood and once and for all in Hebrews and, and all these different things he brought out. He had that revelation and it was, this is by faith. Anyone can get this. It's no longer just exclusive to the Jews. But what stood in the way the whole time was his strength. And we're going to look at this because Paul here, he's going to the... Um, to uh, the Corinthian church, and, and they've got super apostles that are coming in. Paul came in and preached the first message to the Corinthians, took them in, raised the church up, got them going, but then they were like, let's get these other apostles in, and they came in, you know, with their fancy jackets, and, and you know, they, they looked all polished, and, and they were impressed by this one, impressed by that one, and Paul was like, Coming in there, and he, and he, because he didn't rely on all those outward things, he just demonstrated it by his life, by the way he served. And actually, 
He had to take a very hard road to be able to bring what, what God had for them. And so sometimes we're like, why isn't this coming easy? Why is this such a challenge? And it's like, God's schools many times are not easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He can make something that is hard easy, but you still have to do what's hard. We want, we want, we want microwave, beep, you know, something that's supposed to take two hours to bake, where it's like, give it to me in 10 minutes, beep, push the button, come on, let's speed this thing up, right? And it's like, no. God's like, no, there's a process. And in the midst of it, I'm going to give you strength. And I'm going to turn every weakness along the way into strength. And so Paul here, he's talking to these Corinthians. And he's a bit upset because these apostles are starting to put Paul down. Because he can't... Is something you're laughing? <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm not going to... Everything's okay, I guess. <laughs> so here, this is what he says. So he's, he's going on and he's basically trying to, to, to get these Corinthians to see, look, guys, let's put this in the right perspective. And he kind of goes off the rails a bit, right? <laughs> Paul went off the rails? Yes, he's not Jesus. Okay, all of us have our moments. And he says here, he's going off. And he says, are they Hebrews? He's starting to compare himself to them. He says, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? This is in uh, 1 Corinthians um, 11. If you can pull it up there. Uh, starting at verse 22, I believe. It says, um, and then he says here, are, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often. Okay, this is his resume. Okay? These things happened to him. I've been whipped times without number. Okay? How many here have been whipped once. Someone's like, I almost, when I was overseas, I almost uh, encountered that, but uh, it's pretty scary. But Paul here was, was whipped times without number. He faced death again and again, okay? Not just once. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Five different times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. <laughs> okay. Come on, guys. And your internet doesn't work for a day. Seriously. This is kind of sad. It's, it's really sad. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from ro robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, 
as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have daily burden of the concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago, where I was in my body or out of my body. I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise. Listen to this. And heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. See, there's, there's such extremes here. There's, you know, he's so close to death and he's dealing with this. And then he's encountering God to the point where God literally pulls him up into heaven. And he encounters things that he can't even utter. They're so holy. And they're, he, he can't even express them. He says, and that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. Listen to the humility He's saying here, look, I could boast about all these things. I could go on and on and on. And I could even puff myself up and say, you know what? I've got this. And they, people wear it like they got this ticket. Yeah, I got the re latest revelation. I got this from God and that from God. What, what do you have it for? You have it to serve. You have it to lift people and to bring them into something more. Not to toot your little horn and you know, see how great you are. Paul was like, you know what leaders, to, you know, we have this thing and it's this teaching and, and Sheila and I have been talking about this and it's, it's actually very, very wrong when you look at it in scripture. We say, you know, the leader becomes a lid and it's the leader and everything was dependent on the leader and the leader, no, the leader is not the lid. The leader lifts the foundation. We are the, the floor that people can begin to build on it. And our responsibility is to make sure that foundation is right and to keep that foundation right and to be lifting and to be lifting. We're not the lid. Our, but our responsibility is to make sure that those things keep in check 
and that we are lifting those things. We're not just playing in a little sandbox. And Paul understood this, and he said, look, I've got to, my life has to match what I carry. And then he says here, he says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Oh, boy. I don't know if, you know, I've got one of those. Or, you know, you, you look at your life and you think, well, what, what do I, what is that? I mean, people have said it's sickness, and I, I, I beg to differ if you look at the scriptures. In Numbers, they talk about a, a group of people that, that persecuted them in Numbers, and they called them thorns in the flesh. It was the same term we use as a pain in the neck. They're a pain in the neck, right? We know that term? That's what the thorn in the flesh was. And if you look at the book of Acts, there was this group that was continually would stir up the crowds against Paul to the point where they would stone them. You know, that whole list of five times getting lashed 39 times, you know, stoned and left for dead, all the rest. Those were all the crowds that continually stirred up. And Paul was continually, continually at a point where he was like stripped down and wondering what's going on. And guess who came through for him? The one who called him, and he equipped him, and he empowered him, and he gave him everything that he needed. And we have the New Testament, and we have tremendous breakthrough from what Paul gave. And yet, it, outwardly, he didn't look like it. Outwardly, it didn't look like that. And this messenger, it says he came here, it says, and he says each time he said, or he said here, um, this messenger came to, to, um, to keep me from becoming proud. He says, and three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. How many have had things where you're like, you're, you're like, Lord, take this away? Now, I'm not talking about sickness. That's a whole different thing. Christ redeemed us from sickness. He doesn't use what he redeemed us from to teach us. We can learn something through it in the process. Because we can learn from everything we go through. My, it's God's plan that all my kids are saved. What if they wander off? Sure, it's difficult, but God didn't bring that trial. They have free will. But I learned a lot along the way, and that God eventually will... Work that and bring salvation, because he can. But in the process, we always learn. We always grow. Nothing is ever wasted in God. Nothing. Nothing. And weakness is part of it. I'm like, oh, it was such a waste. No, it wasn't. Not when it's given to God. Because Paul is saying here, look, I begged, I begged three times he remembered three times where he was like, God, just take this away. I, I would have thought it would have been more than three times. I think he's being very, very uh, um, conservative there. But then he says here, each time, this is what the Lord said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? In weakness. So right in the middle of your weakness, 
right in the middle of our place of absolute being vulnerable, feeling raw, wondering, what am I going to be able to do? Everyone in Scripture that did something for God, you look at them, look at it in this light. Look at David, a little shepherd boy, out there, knowing God's big, but absolutely, he's tiny, he's only got a little slingshot. He's weak, yet does an awesome thing by the power of God. And what did he encounter? He had to run from the leader of a nation who wanted to kill him. He was hiding in caves. He got a bunch of people, the Bible says, that were in debt, that were destitute, that were basically a bunch of guys that nobody wanted. And guess what they became? David's mighty men. And read the accounts. And over and over, we continue to scroll. We see Gideon. Gideon is the least of the least, doesn't even think anything about himself. God encounters him and says, you're a mighty warrior. He's like looking and wondering, like, you know, flips the, the things down in, at night because he's too scared to do it in the day. And, and when God gets this big army, God says, no, we got to cut this thing down. It's like, it's too strong. You got to cut this thing down. And we're wondering about this process that God does, and we're like, what is it? But he says here, my grace is sufficient, is all you need. My, my, my power works the best in weakness. And so this is what he says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you ever think or even consider that in your weakest point, when it is absolutely surrendered to God, you are your strongest? We don't see it that way. We're like, oh, it shouldn't be this way. It's not fair. It's not fair. Right? We sit there and whine and complain, whine and complain, and compare ourselves to this and compare ourselves. It shouldn't be happening here. It shouldn't be happening. Should have, could have, would have, it is. And there's going to be a whole lot more of it going on because God's shaking things. And the foundations of this world and all the things that this is built on it's going to shake and bake. I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to look at what's going on and see that this is not going to a good place. Okay, people, let's not be in denial. Let's, like, look. Let's take the rose-colored glasses off and say, okay, look. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because God, in the midst of that, uses weakness. And he turns it to strength. And he does it. And this is what he says in James 1. We're going to uh, quickly go through this. In James 1, this is what he says. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, any kind, come your way, consider it what? An opportunity for great joy. Wow. 
<laughs> so whenever someone starts telling you about all their problems, whatever, you're like, this is an opportunity for great joy. I remember my, my dad, my, my family was at a real turning point. This was when I got turned around for God. I was 17. My family was going through a major transformation. We were encountering God. That there were things happening. But my dad had lost his job. My, it was just a bunch of things, boom, boom, boom. But our youth pastor was this man that was just full of God, full of the Spirit of God, and just, it just saw what God had. And he knew God was working in our family. But for me, I was devastated. And I went to him, like, my dad just lost his job. And, you know, I'm crying about all this. He's like, praise the Lord. And I was like, what's going on, Pastor Kwan? You're like, you're, where's the empathy? But he was like in another, he was like, no, 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 this is God's using this. And there's going to, and you know what? Things did turn around. My dad got a job with Teen Challenge. And there was all kinds of new things that opened up. And it totally changed the trajectory of their, of their lives. But he saw it already. And he was living in it already. And he was excited about it already. And guess what? I was stressed out. And I don't get that time back. I wasted it. It was... Pfft. Now I learned from it, so that's not wasted. But there's a better way. And he says, consider it great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So... Let it grow, let it grow. <laughs> let that just stick in your head now. Let, so let your faith grow, let it grow. <laughs> so when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed. See, endurance is developed. Um, and I learned this as training as an athlete. I was a fig professional figure skater, and one thing you don't realize, man, they're doing that four-minute program, and the cardio you have to do to be able to be able to do that is crazy. And I was the worst. I came long distance running, I turned beet red, and I, I just cardio was, I hated it. The only way you got better at it is you run one mile, and then you run two, and you run three, and it's like, it's the only way you, you improve your endurance by doing more. When you got high on your jumps, you're like, you're going to go higher on your jumps. How? They stuck weights on your ankles. And then you had to skate for a week with these weights on your ankles. And you did these jumps, and it was twice as hard. But then they took the, the weights off your ankles the next week, and you were like, and you flew up because... Because that was gone. But you learned from that resistance and that you learned endurance. And, and it, 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 there was a result that came from it. So it says here, so for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when you, your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Wow. If you need wisdom, ask. Our generous God. And he will give it to you. 
He will not rebuke you for asking. In other words, he's not going to say you're stupid. He's not. He's going to say, actually, thanks for asking. Here, this is what you got to do. He, it says here, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. This is important. And I think this is where a lot of times, because we have so many options. We got door number one, door number two, door number three, door number four, door number five. This whole spread. It's like, yeah, today I'm going to pick door number one with God, but you know what? Door number two, door number three, it's a good backup. And it's not God alone. We're not consecrated to that. We're not like putting it on the line and saying, no, it's do or die, God. You've got to come through on this. There's no backup plan here. It says here, if you, and it says here, um, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything. (laughs) These are strong words from the Lord. For their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. And this is where you get this little mixture. There's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you mix in the world. Like it, It's sad when the world looks at the church and they don't see much of a difference. We are the upside-down kingdom. It's upside-down. Like we give to receive. And that's not the motive you give, but when you give, you receive. The world hoards it up, hoards it up, and stores and stores and stores. We have treasures in heaven account that we withdraw from. When, you know, we forgive. And we forgive unlimited. And we continue to love and we don't get offense. We have plenty of opportunity to be offended. But we need to be unoffendable. Why? Because Jesus forgave us. And we continue to forgive and we walk in that perfect love. There's so many things that make us so different from the world. And we've got to make sure that mixture isn't there. And our loyalty is to him alone. Because if we don't have that, we shouldn't expect to receive anything from the the Lord. And it says here, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about. For God has honored them, And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. You know, no disrespect to the queen, but it's a good thing to look at. She isn't taking any of that with her. She fades, and it's gone. Sure, it's there. She has family that will carry it on. and We don't know how that will all be managed. She did a pretty good job for 70 years. But that can all go topsy-turvy. It can go all over the place, and it can fade, and it can go. 
it's here, and we think it's here, and it's stable, and it's going to stay forever, and all of a sudden it can just... And it takes great humility to carry wealth. I've talked to a lot of wealthy people, and the one thing that, that are serving God, and the, and the Bible says that God, when he gives us wealth, he has no sorrow with it, when it truly comes from God. But that's wealth that's surrendered to God and is being used for him and that he can manage it. Because if you carry it, the stress of it, you're like feeding a giant. And you got to keep this giant fed. It's like, we got to feed this giant. We got to feed this giant. And you're like, you carry this tremendous weight. But those that have wealth and they honor God and they do it the right way, God, they walk in humility and they just know if, if, God can get it through me. He can get it to me. And they just keep being that vessel that he flows through. And it takes humility to walk in that. Again, weakness turned to strength. Amen? So let's stand. Um, can we put some dappy on? <laughs> in the background? I don't know if they heard but let's, let's pray over these things and, and let's just consecrate ourselves to God because, um, you know, I love this scripture in Romans 8, 28. It's my, my favorite uh, verse. My grandma used to always say her birthday was August 8th or August 28th. So Romans 8, 28 was her verse. And it's for all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Uh, just uh, verse 28. We're going to skip those two. <clears throat> so all things work together. shouldn't be here. No matter what is there, God is with you. And in that weakness, he can turn it to strength. Paul had many things that put him in a place of weakness, and he knew in the midst of it, God's power works the best right in that weakness. Amen? Amen. So, God, we surrender. We surrender our lives to you. You know, you might be listening online, and I don't know everyone here, and if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that's the first area of weakness is we've got to surrender that we can't do life on our own, that we can't save ourselves, that we need a Savior. We need to admit that we are weak, that we are dead in sin, that we, are, we don't have what it takes. We cannot save ourselves. And if you're at that point and you're like, and you've maybe tried and you've strived and you're wondering, what's going on? Why can't I get out of this? It's because you have to surrender that weakness and do the exchange. You give him your sin and he gives you his righteousness. You give him your weakness, he gives you his strength. You give him your pain and he gives you healing and life. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, we give you all of the things that we see ahead, those things we know and even the unknowns. 
And we ask that you would help us to see with your eyes, that we would see that you are working, that we would consider it all joy when we encounter and face many of the challenges that we, we are facing and that we will continue to face as we walk with you. As you continue to shape the things around us, we thank you that we can build our life on the solid rock of you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We do not have to worry that your power works the best in our weakness. So we give you every weakness. We give you every area. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we call it the replenish. There's a reason we gave it that name. Replenish means this, to fill up again and to restore to a former, former level or condition. And as believers, God is always bringing us into who we are in Christ. And life does lots of stuff that pulls out of us and depletes us. How many you feel it? It just comes. And Sunday, for an hour and a half, isn't going to fill your week. And you know, you've got to have your own de daily devotional time. But there are also times when we need to set apart for just God to just fill us and restore us and do something more in us. And, and this one we're calling it according to his riches and glory because God's showing us how we can access those things that are there and begin to bring them into what we need now. Because as believers, a lot of believers, they haven't gone to the debit machine. They got a big withdrawal that they can withdraw. And they don't know how to use it. You know, my, my grandkids, they think we just go to the machine and do, 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 right? And Papa's got, you know, all this money that pops out and we can do this and we can do that. They're grandkids, right? Each of them cost a grand, right? It's just like, <laughs> it just never stops. But they, they understand there's access. But as believers, there is so much that we have. And I'm not talking about money. And that's part of it. But there's unlimited joy. There's unlimited peace. There's unlimited strength. There's unlimited wisdom. There's unlimited innovation for different things and creativity. There's, it's unlimited. And it's, we can access it. But there's things that hold it up, too. And sometimes we don't get to take the time to process things because we're just doing life. And so these types of retreats are where we just stop, we look at the cross, look at Jesus again, and then we begin to process. And we take this time to work those things through. And so that's what this is. It's a pause and saying, okay, we're pressing in together for more. And so... I want to encourage you, you know, set this time aside because it will put something in you. It'll fill you up again. We all need it. And if anyone says, I don't need to be filled, you are lying. 
And you need to be on the replenish retreat. <laughs> we need to be filled, all of us. There isn't anyone. Life pulls out of us. And more than ever before. And so we need something more. So this is there. And it's there for us as a body to partake of. And we've made it cheap. 50 bucks. We're getting three meals. Where do you get three meals for $50? Just that alone. One meal costs 50 bucks nowadays. So we're trying to make it even cost effective. So what? So we can make it so everyone can make it. So... I want to encourage you, take that step. Let's see God turn some of these weaknesses to strengths. Let's see the body pull together. Because that's another thing we get on the encounter, or the, the replenish, is we get to take that time together with one another. Draw from one another more. Those are all important things. Amen? Amen. So let's, I want to encourage you, just do that. Take that step. And let's see God take something that's weak and turn it into a strength. So, Lord, we just we commit to you this week. Commit to you our lives. And we, we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And we thank you that you have promised that as we do this, that you would add everything else that we need. So we set our hearts on you as we go from here. We thank you for your hand that is at work. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.